welcome back to the Pros and Content Podcast brought to you by Notch. This season, we're talking to digital growth and demand gen marketers about how they use audience journey strategy and metrics to accelerate business growth. I'm Ellen Schwartz, Senior Director of Demand Gen here at Notch. In this episode, I was joined by Avi Botnagar, VP of Growth at Metallic. We chatted about tying marketing to revenue and shared outcomes, the tenacity a growth marketer needs to succeed, and how marketers can claim their seat at the revenue table. Really quick, do me a favor and check if you're subscribed so you don't miss any episodes this season. We'll have interviews with marketers from Chili Piper, Gong, Stack Overflow, and more. Without further ado, here's my interview with Avi from Metallic. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Pros and Content. My name is Ellen Schwartz. I'm Senior Director of Demand Gen here at Notch, and I'm joined today by Avi Botnagar. Hi, Avi, and welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you. Hi, Ellen. I'm excited to be here as well. So you're the VP of Growth at Metallic at Commvault Division. And one of the reasons your CV caught my attention was because I think your path from digital marketer into growth marketer is one that a lot of people will follow. So I didn't know if we could start there. Give us a bit of background on your career and what you're up to now at Metallic. For me, my journey in the B2B marketing space has been almost the last two decades. It really started early in my career where I was an early adopter of digital marketing and leveraging different types of systems and tools, even before marketing technology or MarTech became a category. So gave me kind of early exposure as a practitioner, hands-on exposure to be able to leverage systems and to be able to understand how to be able to leverage different systems to have business outcomes, and then be able to think about how these things tie together to the greater good of marketing. And so digital marketing has been kind of a foundational element for my career. Over the last 10 years or so, I've transitioned more and more into a growth marketing focus where it kind of isn't across the end-to-end spectrum of digital marketing, demand generation, and really thinking about being able to tie those experiences together to be able to have a user experience that's focused on driving mindshare and market share for the business. I think that's incredible. I think it's something, like I said, that a lot of people are going to start growing into as you learn more about the metrics and about the business and tying that all together. People will start to move into these growth roles. So that's actually the first thing that I wanted to dig in on is you're really dedicated to tying your work in marketing to business outcomes. So what are those outcomes that you look to? In any kind of growth marketing capacity, really in marketing capacity, marketers now have a seat at the revenue table meaning they're more and more tied to business outcomes that are related to KPIs, key performance indicators. And therefore, everything that we're doing as marketers, we want to be able to show return on investment. We want to be able to show the value that we're bringing from the different tactics and techniques that we're doing, whether it's running a digital advertising campaign or doing some kind of a webinar campaign. We want to be able to show how there's a return on investment for those programs and tactics that we're actually executing. And therefore, thinking about metrics around sales qualified, marketing qualified, MQLs, SQLs, those have been traditional. Those have been around for quite some time now. But for the deep funnel metrics that we're more and more interested in is how are we impacting the business? Are we generating revenue? Are we influencing pipeline to the business? Are we improving our customer acquisition costs? Are we increasing our lifetime value? Things that are more tied to tangible metrics that can help really show how marketing is moving the needle. Those are the ones that are most relevant and important for today's growth market. We've had a lot of top-level metrics for a long time. And we're starting to see, and I think just understand, the way that we need to prove the value of our marketing efforts is to get to those final business outcomes, like you said. What are some of the ways that you've actually tied those together? Do you have examples of 
how to show your work, so to say. It's building kind of a data-driven mindset and it starts culturally, right? So within our teams, we always have a focus to think about how we can report on everything that we're doing, whether it's on a weekly basis, monthly, quarterly basis, or ad hoc. And therefore, keeping a close eye on performance is important. So one of the things that's really relevant in growth marketing is agile marketing methodologies. So not only are you thinking about building a strategy, executing the strategy, but you want to be able to constantly analyze what's happening. If you're running a tactic, you want to be able to look at what the outputs are from the campaign and how you could look at those outputs and be able to quickly iterate and to be able to run different types of A-B tests, multivariate tests, to be able to see different expected outcomes. That by itself allows the marketer to be closely tied to the data that they're delivering on for that particular campaign. And then, of course, thinking about the big picture, how do these efforts tie together at an aggregate level for impacting the bottom line? Yeah, the phrase that you used that I would love for you to expand a bit more on too is the deep funnel metrics. So we hear a lot about the top of the funnel and you're talking more about tying it. How deep is deep? How far does that go? So the way we typically measure ourselves is based on impacting pipeline inflow and revenue to the business. And typically how we determine those goals, it's through building out a capacity plan in the beginning of the quarter or beginning of a fiscal year. Based on the company goals in terms of revenue, marketing typically has a slice of that total impact. So if marketing understands by looking at benchmarking data in terms of how marketing has delivered in the past, it gives us a threshold to be able to think about what type of marketing contributions we'll have to the business. And then thinking about average selling prices, win rates, and conversion rates across the lead lifecycle stages. Those are the factors that we'd want to think about when reverse engineering and building out a capacity plan. So that gives us the ability to think about in any given quarter, marketing is going to be responsible for driving X number of inflow and Y number of bookings. And therefore, we need to be able to reverse engineer that by benchmarking previous quarters, previous years data, and then to be able to say, this is how we're going to be able to deliver our goals on and then measure accordingly. Sure. So you're really in line then with your revenue team to make those happen. So it's not just that marketing has a revenue goal. You're looking at the whole business. As a unit, we need to hit ABC goals. So how is it that you are working alongside those revenue partners? Yes, it's a joint partnership across the functional organizations in terms of how to be able to operate. I think that it starts with by having open collaboration and having open lines of communications within those functional leaders to be able to understand those business goals and to be able to understand like how we're growing as a business. And I think that at that point, when you have cultivated those relationships and other functional organizations understand the value that marketing brings as a whole, it's then a matter of then having the right level of collaboration to ensure that other functional organizations understand what the value is and therefore they can be able to support, whether it's from a budgeting perspective, whether it's from a resources perspective, or whether it's from a time capacity perspective. How did that evolve in your career? So I know you've been in marketing for plenty of years at this point in time. You haven't been a VP the whole time. What were the skills that you leaned into to start understanding what either your partners in crime wanted to hear more about? And how did you start to present that? Walk us through that evolution. I'd say it's a mindset. It really starts with having that mindset of wanting to do more. It's always thinking about going above and beyond and having the right tenacity for being able to impact growth. I think that that's kind of a baseline that I've had over the tenure of my career especially in the second half of my career, where you know you want to be able to think about 
what you bring to the table in terms of you have a charter, you're going to be responsible for certain initiatives, certain channels, tactics, programs, and campaigns. But it's really thinking about what's the business direction? What are the goals of the organizations? And understanding those macro level goals, and then being able to work that back and then think about how you can impact using these kinds of mindsets of being fierce, being very driven, kind of thinking above and beyond the scope of what's being asked of you. I think that that's what's really helped me in my career. So I want to highlight a couple of words you said within that answer. One was tenacity and one was fierce. How much do you think that someone needs to dig in or be confident in the metrics that you're using? You have to be able to live and breathe them. Being able to have ad hoc you know, working sessions with folks on your teams to be able to understand the effectiveness of a certain effort that may be in flight. Or it may be just thinking about having those goals as top of mind on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. So it's something that's your baseline, right? If you're thinking about data as your baseline, I mentioned data-driven methodologies and mindsets. It starts there. You have to kind of have that mindset to think about like the impact that you're bringing to the business and how you're helping grow the business. And I think that if you have that right mindset, it just becomes part of your DNA that you're living and breathing in terms of thinking about data-driven results. I love that. I think that's part of the reason that a lot of marketers might fall down is we have a background in storytelling. We have a background in writing. We have something that is very creative. And not that you can't then become data-driven, but you're saying it really takes a lot of focus on those numbers and understanding of what they're doing next. Exactly. And I think you know part of that is also consumption of systems. That's really the driver for thinking about return on investments, right? There's a lot of different tools and systems that are out there. Advice would be for practitioners to really have the ability to maximize features and functionality sets that are available to some of the tools that they have in-house. And then to be able to think about how to have integrity of how data flows between one system to the next and ensuring that you have the ability to confidently understand what happens there and then be able to measure return on investment accordingly. Sure. One of the things I'm starting to dig in with attribution is how much that's reliant on a person to say how much one piece of the puzzle is worth or not. So like my selfish example is if I've been in webinars, of course, you know, that one person attending one webinar, they're going to get 50% of the attribution to this because my webinar was incredible, right? How are you combating this idea that there's kind of always going to be human error in that data? And or kind of said another way, how do you really instill confidence in the data that you do have available to you? That's a great question. In the B2B space, it's less transactional. We're selling complex IT products that have long sales cycles and typically multiple buyers. There could be someone that sits as a day-to-day user, a champion, an administrator. There could also be folks that sit in the management side all the way to the C-level. And then there's also folks that sit in procurement and ratifiers, right? Because when you're making such big investments, you have to ensure that you're understanding all kinds of terms and conditions and all kinds of legal implications. So for us, we have to think about accounts. And it's typically multiple leads that sit in any kind of account with long sales cycles. And there's definitely trial and error that happens in this whole process and measurement. But for us, it's for us to be able to get to an 80% or higher confidence level. It's more about having small sets of data outputs as a way to be able to measure and learn from and then be able to find repeatable motions that can help us scale and to be able to have more confidence in terms of how we're measuring outputs from these accounts that we're focusing our marketing strategies towards. I love that. I think it's important to just say 
there's data that you have available to you, right? And it might not be a huge data lake. What you're saying, I think what I heard is that there's going to be smaller sets of data that you can point to to say, this is working. So how do we scale that instead of trying to see everything in aggregate all the time and get the longer trends that people, I think, want because there's so much talk around big data right now? Exactly. The experimentation mindset carries across in terms of execution and measurement. I love that. It's a constant learning. It's never something that we can just have the right confidence level. It takes a lot of trial and error, and it's something that we have to implement across everything that we're building and executing and measuring. I love kind of taking that experimental mindset, even to the measurement side of things to say, at this point, we had XYZ data to work with. We just got this new set. How does that layer on top of what we thought we knew? And how can we use everything else now that it's one more piece of that puzzle, you know, put into place? So now that we know it, how can we move forward? Love it. So I wanted to dig a bit more into this idea that marketing now has a seat at the revenue table. Do you think that that's something only mature marketing teams have access to? I'm thinking long and hard about this one because from my experience in probably the last current role, plus the last half a dozen roles, marketing has had a seat at the revenue table. I'd say those companies that are instituting the utilization of systems are already there. And therefore, thinking about measurement is something that's all the way at the board of director level, at the e-staff level, where they want to understand how marketers are delivering on results. It's a cost center in so many ways for marketing organizations. And therefore, being able to validate what type of returns they're showing is really important. That's where companies that are making those types of investments today, they definitely have a seat at the revenue table. Yeah, they've worked hard to turn that phrase you just said. It's marketing as a cost center. They've worked hard to flip the script on that to say, we're providing value and here's how. What would someone do if they feel like they don't have a seat at the table? What should they be working towards to earn that seat? Or maybe like you said before, like get the tenacity to take that seat? Yeah. If it's not happening today, I'd say going back to the example of experimentation is important. So instead of demanding the ability to have that level of visibility, it's about showing results. To be able to run some kind of a scaled down version of a marketing campaign, and then just to be able to understand the impact that this campaign may have to the business. In the beginning, it may be something very small or something just scaled down to a level that's just at a personal level. The objective here should be to think about is how is this particular effort campaign or program helping grow the business? And is this something that is worthwhile enough for others to understand the effectiveness of this? And therefore, is this something that is worth scaling to a level that could make a larger impact to the business? And I think it also comes from constant learning. I think the mindset of having never stopped learning is so critical and important because there's so much evolution in terms of how marketing has evolved over the last decade. And therefore, the learnings are something that are critical because we learn from other practitioners, we learn from what other companies are doing successfully. And we want to be able to see if any of those learnings can be applied into our wheelhouse in a meaningful way. Yeah. So if I can sum that up a little bit, it's that you you said to start small. So start with something that you know you can prove. But then the second half was a bit more just start anywhere and make sure you're measuring in a way that is useful not only to you, but to the rest of the business. So if you are measuring this and it turns out that this doesn't apply to revenue, to customer success, to someone else to still grow that business, it might not be worth pursuing those particular metrics or that particular program. 
That's a great recap that you just provided. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I do my best. As a growth marketer, what's something that keeps you up at night? What do you feel is still like a gap in your role that should be easier to do either with data or with systems or even just processes? It's always about what's next, right? So for us to think about like how we could increase those routes to market, like what are some digital innovation that's out there that we may not be applying? And part of that is really thinking about tying different efforts together and thinking more of like an end-to-end playbook. I think that that's something that in the current role we've applied and have seen a lot of success with, where we're saying, you know, we may be doing a certain type of digital marketing effort and we may be doing some type of demand generation effort, but being able to tie the two together and finding convergence is something that's a big, big opportunity, especially in the world that we live in today, where, you know, it's digital first. It's more about how we could have effectiveness by doing less with more. Those are the things that always kind of keep me up at night in terms of what else we could be doing there. So a bit of an inefficiency undertone there too. It's like you don't want your disparate teams to be doing the same thing if you could be combining the work there. Exactly. And thinking more about building out a playbook that you can learn from and then you can always constantly improve on. Right. And then scale out, I would expect to. Like if you've got it outlined, you can say, all right, this one's working. Let's try, like, can we copy paste and do it onto the next one of the next? Well, thanks, Avi. We've approached the lightning round. Are you ready for these questions that have less to do with marketing and more to do with how we all relate to the world? <laughs> yeah, I'm ready for it. All right. Thanks. Well, the first one does relate to marketing. So what's a marketing campaign or something to do with marketing that you still point to as an example of things going really well? A current one that we have right now, and I've probably done half a dozen times in my career, an MQL re-engagement wake from the dead campaign. And this goes back to the example of how we want to be able to do more with less, where we're looking in our database and finding signals of leads and from accounts that matter most to us and being able to understand why they didn't potentially go down funnel into an opportunity of some kind and trying to do some kind of a rekindle to try to wake them from the dead with some kind of innovative digital campaign. Sounds like an MQL zombie play, like from the dead. (laughs) I like that though. That's something I've seen work in a couple of my positions as well. So I hope that works out for you this time too. What's the best place that you've traveled? Best place I've traveled to was actually this year was a trip to Carreas, Mexico. It's kind of a hidden resort with ocean castles and villas and just beautiful million dollar views. And not too far from home for me as well. So it was a great getaway and definitely something that I have cherished ever since coming back. Oh my gosh. So where's home? The Bay Area, California. Ah, got it. Okay. Mexico. You fly into Puerto Vallarta. There's two different airports you could take. It could be one to three hour drive into getting into the Carreas Islands. Oh, perfect. It actually makes it for like a relaxing trip then if you don't have giant amounts of travel on either side of it. That's a great point for sure. All right. Last lightning round question. What was your pandemic cliche? And by this, I mean, did you bake sourdough? Do you play Wordle? Did you watch Joe Exotic and the Tiger King saga? I have multiple hobbies that I picked up like painting, chess, darts. And I wish I could turn the camera around to show you some of the things that I painted, but maybe another time. But definitely it's been releasing some of the artistic side of myself. So it's been awesome. That's wonderful. We'll send some photos over and we'll drop them on the show page. Yeah, absolutely. That would be great. Well, thank you so much, Avi. It's been really, really great to chat with you right now. My final question would be, what do you want listeners to take away from this conversation? I'd say definitely the ability to 
have that drive and tenacity to grow your career. I think that this is now more than ever the time for marketers, digital marketers, growth marketers to be able to make their mark, to be able to make an impact. It starts with having the right focus, being accountable, having a collaborative mindset, being transparent, and of course, being data-driven. I think tenacity has got to be definitely the best thread that I think we got out of this conversation. So thank you for that. And if people would like to connect with you, where could they find you? The best way to find me is on LinkedIn. Simple, Avi Bhatnagar. You can do a search for me there and you should be able to find me. But that's probably the best way to connect. Great. Thanks so much. And thank you to our listeners for spending time with us. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to Pros and Content wherever you found us. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Pros and Content. Don't forget to subscribe if you found this episode informative. This season, we're focused on how marketers prove their contribution to business growth at all stages of the funnel. Find more episodes wherever you're listening and learn more about uncovering your organization's true audience journey at notch.com. That's K-N-O-T-C-H dot com.